Hi there, I'm Deb Crow, and I want to welcome you to season four of Imperfect, the heart-centered leadership podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with authentic and courageous leaders from all over the globe. You will learn from leaders you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolkit because leadership belongs to all of us. It is not measured by stature or title. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Imperfect Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to Imperfect. And you're not seeing double here or triple, I should say. I am joined with two exceptional leaders today that I want to introduce, Dr. Patty Delgado and Alejandre Milky. And I know we're missing a third, which I'll let you ladies talk about. We have so much to talk about with both of you. So I'm going to hand the mic over and ask you both to give us a brief history and bio of, of who you are and what brought you to the show. Wonderful. Thank you, Deb, so much for having us. My name is Dr. Patty Delgado. I am originally from El Paso, Texas, which is a far, far west city. Um, a lot of people don't even know that it exists because it's not part of the central core of Texas, but we are right at the border of Mexico and New Mexico and just a proud Hispanic, predominant Hispanic community here in Texas. And um, we're super excited to be here. But just a quick, I am a psychologist. My degree, my doctorate is in psychology and industrial organizational psychologist, which means I'm a business psychologist. So I don't have the couch in my office, but I do uh, work directly with leaders, organizations, teams to better create a more inclusive environment and really tackle the many challenges that we're seeing in today's workforce. Um, and I am a proud mother of a five-year-old <laughs> and a wife of a, a retired military lieutenant colonel. So I have a span of a lot of different layers in my own identity, but very excited to be here. Thank you for having us. We so appreciate you. And and I'm glad you qualified what type of psychologist you are. And and the yes. couch candor is candor and humor <laughs> is always welcome on this show. And <laughs> I am I'm just thrilled to dig into some of your brilliance because I know you've been an industrial psychologist for over 20 years. So I'm yes. excited to to hear all the greatness you're going to share. Alejandra, oh. over to you. Yes, thank you, Deb. So I'm Dr. Alejandra Milky, and I'm part of El Puente Institute. I'm one of the three co-founders. And it all started many years ago. I'm originally from Monterrey, Mexico. So mm. Monterrey is a city in the north part of Mexico. And uh, one day I had the great idea to move to Austin, Texas to uh, start a PhD in education. My first field was education. I worked in schools, international schools for many years. And I came here in the, on August, August 4, 2000. You never forget the day that you leave your country. So I got came here and I stayed. I worked at UT for a long time after I finished my PhD, always trying to improve the educational experiences of the Latinx community here in this country. And uh, and then I did a lot of consulting in Latin America, in Mexico, here in the U.S. And then I decided to all around education and then I decided to go to corporate America to see how things were going mm -hmm. for the students that I had seen in many classrooms. Right. So mm -hmm. I 
move into the space of diversity, equity, and inclusion, always uh, with a big, big focus on inclusive leadership, on uh, cultural competency, cultural intelligent leadership, because mm -hmm. of course, as someone who has lived in another country all her life, right? I mean, part of her life, not all her life. For me, it's always very important that that understanding of cultural differences, right? Mm -hmm. That are essential for any kind of leadership, especially nowadays where we live in a, such a small uh, a world that is getting smaller and smaller. And so I've been here in Austin for the last 23, 23 years. I have a son. My son is 14. He's and uh, he's beginning high school, and uh, and I have a puppy, a Chihuahua, that's named Spotify, like the app. Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the joy of my life, I have to say. He's been spoke to me, he's stuck to me, and uh, I'm very happy to be here, Deb. Thank you for having well, us. Well, you know, you know, I'm just honored to be surrounded with your brilliance, both of you. And I know there's a third well, then who couldn't join us today? Yeah, uh, she has is. some things going on. So can we just mention her name and yes. we'll put all of her info in the podcast episode description? Yes, she is our third founder of El Puente Institute. And so us, she is also, her name is Dr. Patricia Conde Brooks. She is out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And so our team of founders is Texas, Minnesota, and just very proud of what we bring in El Puente Institute. And El Puente Institute is how we all came together as three Latina women, PhDs, wanting to make a difference in our community, wanting to create allyships with those that are not part of our community and really create that awareness about the Latino uh, workforce that is now the largest and continues to grow. And so three Latinas have come together and opened this institute. It's been a year and it's been a wonderful journey. And um, being part of this particular podcast with you, Deb, um, having that heart-centered leadership mm -hmm. conversation is so important in our community because we're all about family, right? And mm -hmm. we're all about coming together as a community. And so I knew that this would be an amazing opportunity to share our knowledge with you and you share with us and us share with your listeners. So thank you for having us again. Absolutely. And oh, it's my pleasure. And we'll make sure we get all of your bios below in the podcast episode description with all the links. I'm going to I'm going to dig right into my my leadership questions because both of you exude a tremendous amount of passion and confidence. Where did this passion come from that you felt you wanted to give back to your community? honor your ethnicity. I would love to know from a personal sense, let's just put your academic pursuits, which are beyond excellent aside, where did that passion come from your heart to to want to give back and really help, you know, younger Latino women succeed mm -hmm. in life and, and show them that you can be a barrier breaker? Share with me where that came from. Go ahead, Dr. Alejandra. I'll, I'll start then. Honestly, um, the field found me. I, I, I was in education, like I said, and um, I was working at an international school in Mexico. And one thing that is funny to understand is that the international school had a lot of Mexican students who were actually learning Spanish with U.S. printed books, right? So for me, that was, okay, there's something here that is not right. Why do we have to bring books. And it was an international school, so I get that. But why do we have to bring books from the U.S. in Spanish to teach these kids Spanish skills, right? Like mm -hmm. the typical Spanish, like mm -hmm. uh, 
language arts. So that was the first thing that I'd like, there's something here going on, right? And that's why I started looking for uh, programs in the US. So I came to Austin and I was, I came here for answers. I needed to look outside. Mm. I want to find out how to develop true bilingual and biliterate uh, programs. So I came for answers. The university had a different plan for me. I was put in the field of inclusion mm. and, and, uh, and my eyes were open and I, I thought, well, I thought we had figured things out through civil rights, right? I thought we mm-hmm. had figured things out. And the first semester, exactly 23 years ago, I was bombarded with all this data about uh, discrimination and exclusion and racism. And I just couldn't believe my eyes. And one day there was an article that I was reading one of the classes and, uh, and there was this woman, an immigrant mother in California complaining about the school system, how she could not understand the language, how she didn't have access to the resources, she couldn't help her kid uh, going to school and all these typical complaints of immigrant mothers. And of course, that's hard to read because it's, it's hard as, as a woman, right? And, uh, but the last sentence was, one got me, the last sentence said, uh, at least wouldn't look different because it was a Russian mother who probably was white and had blue eyes. And I just couldn't, I, I was in shock. So I raised my hand and the professor was a, a Mexican professor there at the time. And like, what's going on here? What is really going on here? What's going on here? I thought we had figured out, it's the US of America. We have figured this out, right? And uh, can't remember the discussion, but I remember his words. But you better get on your shop because when the people like you to help the Latino community in this country. And those words stayed with me forever. And since then I was like, yeah, I, I saw, I visited schools, I studied data and I said, things need to be different, need to be different. So that's how I always say that the field found me. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, was not, it was not my intention, but when I realized that there was so much need, that there was all these deficit thinking views in the Latino community, I've heard them all. We are this, we are uh, lazy, we are this. I don't want to even say it, repeat them, right? But I, we've heard them all this, like uh, that is what has made me say like, no, we are not. And we have to prove that we are not, and we have to work hard. So that's, that's kind of, uh, fuels me, right, every day, like, no, there's a lot that we have a lot of potential and we have to. And I also believe that it's not only good for the Latinx community, it's good for everyone, right? Yeah. Once we learn about things, it grows. Every, people grow when they start opening their hearts and minds to mm-hmm. different, different understandings. So that's what. It's interesting when the universe gives us that gentle tap of the shoulder, Mm-hmm. because I come from the medical rehab world and I had no aspirations of moving into coaching and facilitating or even writing a book. And I lost five executives to cancer, but I got them when they were on a stress claim. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the questions and and much like you were listening and learning to the facilitation of your university professor. And I remember my coach said, what are you going to do with the gift that's been given to you from these five mm-hmm. executives? So, you know, the student in you shows up every day in your dissertation, in the work that you do. And, and I just love the way you framed it. The field found me. Yeah. I think that's rewarding. 
Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. it's a great story to tell. Dr. Patty, anything you want to add to that? That's I mean, that's a great story. <laughs> I don't know if I can that just a, a little with me. I think the passion comes from one, my our tradition, our traditions of being Hispanic. Um, the drive that I saw in the women in my life, mm-hmm. uh, my grandmother, my mother, you know, my aunts, um, that type of influence really always made me a trailblazer. So as soon as after high school, I went to school in Minnesota. I visited friends my second year in college. I was always trying to create different mm-hmm. pathways that others hadn't been on. Um, at times slowed down, but then mm-hmm. I found my, I always found myself creating more paths at being a trailblazer. And then I had the opportunity to meet these two wonderful women. And I knew, oh my God, these are the two women that I know that we can create a larger path to to have that larger impact for our community. So the passion comes from also similar to Alejandra, knowing that there's a need in this country to create inclusive language, knowing there's a need in this country to break down the stereotypes, especially mm-hmm. around the Hispanic community, and also the need for our community to to see their full potential mm-hmm. and to see that they have a superpower because they're part of this beautiful community that's colorful, that's full of culture and food mm-hmm. and family and community that we ourselves need to recognize that and also start speaking up. We admire our African-American um, brothers and sisters who have done that so so well in standing up for their rights and their voices. And I think it's our turn to do that. So we're again paving pathways yeah. for Latinas and Latinos to join us and to create a larger voice in this community that we call the US of A um, and just a different voice. I, and I think your your superpower is the trifecta. Right, yeah, exactly. Right? You're the like tri- you, the, you three, wow. You know, every time I'm sitting interviewing a heart-centered leader on this show and we've interviewed over 250 over the last four seasons, I've already thought of two other women who I've had on the show. One is from Iran, who had a very similar story to both of you and is now in California. And the other one was on the show from Africa. And she created a bra. She has two engineering degrees, lives in Nigeria. And again, to your point, Alejandra, you know, you, you paint a tainted brush based on things that are being said that aren't true, but people easily perceive them to be. And Nigeria, she said, has its own, you know, worldview, but female, two engineering degrees, and she created a bra that detects early breast cancer. Wow. And she's African-American. So I would connect you with both of these ladies because (laughs) I think the synergy and heart-centered leadership is honoring my definition honoring your connection with people. And the more conversations I have on this show, beautiful, meaningful conversations, it just makes me think of other conversations I've had with other powerful women around the globe. So I'm definitely going to connect yeah. you two. You can see how I get excited I about also, all this. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. I think also what is what we're looking for is now, of course, connection with other amazing um, women of color that are doing amazing work, but also connections with new allies. Yes, they're beautiful allies like yourself and others that are wanting to give back a way that um, might be a little bit uncomfortable going into the multicultural, um, you know, dimension of this this country. But it is those allies that we're also very much interested in connecting with. So we encourage them to um, reach out to us because we have so much to share about our community 
as we have want to learn about them as well in their journeys. I think there's a there's an immigrant in all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, some might be further down the line, right? And others, but that whole part of being able to connect from our values and from our human-centric ways of being is also something we're very much interested in. And we are looking for these allies to help us also amplify our voices. So more more connections I'm sure we can make. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, my second question has permanent residency on the show. Okay. And I'm going to ask you both to answer it. What imperfections do you both bring to your heart-centered leadership? Share with us one imperfection that's sitting right on the top of your brain that it's like, okay, I'm going to tell Deb right now what it is. Oh, I know. Okay, go, go. (laughs) Oh, very easy. Of course, I'm also a coach. I've I've received a lot of coaching. I've done a lot of coaching. So I I have developed a self-awareness that is not perfect. That would be one imperfection. It's still uh, developing. But uh, one of the things that I, that in my imperfection is I'm very impatient. I am not a patient person. I'm very impatient. I want to uh, I want to know. I want to to do. I want to find out. I want to. Uh, so that's definitely something that uh, my my family comments about it. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> so um, I'm impatient, and uh, and I think um, that is. Uh, and an impatience sometimes is not exactly that the desire to do things fast and quickly is that this is then you have a very short span of attention, right? You just do it, it's an inverse, and then you forget about it and you disappear, right? Because that impatience that because it moves to the next thing, right? So uh it's very cognitive maybe, but definitely is is something that uh has stayed with me for a long time. So I'm not I'm not I'm not patient. It's in the top three answers. Oh, really? So you're in good company. Yes. Yes. Dr. Patty, what about you? Um, I think mine is, and all of us have biases, Um, even multicultural, you know, individuals, professionals have biases. I think it's keeping that really in check um, to ensure that I'm being open and um, authentic to meeting anybody Mm -hmm. of any culture, of any race, of any um, disability, anything that that comes, you know, of differences, being very open just to create conversations that are without judgment. Mm-hmm. And so I work every day really hard on that. I have unfortunately been part of a lot of discriminatory experiences in my life, mm-hmm. going to school in Minnesota and other situations. I try not to let that lead when I'm why when I'm meeting somebody new that it does not look like me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an imperfection that's constantly ongoing. And I, I keep it very much um, in check to lead with, you know, with my heart, with openness. Um, and so, yeah. Well, and you're, you're basically describing inclusive leadership. That's just it. to me. That We're just going to yeah. put a big fat period after that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My third question I want you to just put your analytical mind to the side for a minute. Level. That's really hard for I, I know me. it is. I know. PhDs, I just said for a minute. It's just, just temporary. <laughs> what, what strategy would you give to the younger version of yourself on the doorstep of some of these biases that you talk about? What is a, what is a, a strategy to get through a barrier 
that you know now that you wish you had a known. So basically what I'm saying is if you had to chat with a younger Latino and say, you're going to approach this and this is the strategy to knock it down, what would it be? What's the one that's sitting on top of mind for both of you? Um, I think for me that, and this can be for younger Latina, Latino, or just a younger version of someone that is different if they're from the LGBTQ plus community or, or, you know, someone that has a disability, I think it's to be, to be aware that there are narratives that will not serve you to know that there are people that will not applaud you. Mm -hmm. Um, but to know that the only voice within yourself is the voice of your own confidence and of your own purpose and to stay focused on that inner voice. Um, to trust that inner voice and to not allow the noise around us in social media, in the media and, you know, everything that is just thrown at us constantly be what's leading your purpose. Mm -hmm. But that you and your interior heart and purpose is what leads you to the next step. I, I felt victim of a lot of the narratives. Um, I was told I was not smart. Um, I was told I was not going to be able to do it. I should just go back home and have children as a Latina. Um, and so a lot of those different narratives or dialogues that were told to me, I took very, I internalized. Mm -hmm. um, so I would just tell the younger version of, of myself and others, there's always going to be that, but just create that, that wall, not wall, but just kind of that net that just filters that, and it kind of goes that through. barrier down. Right, exactly. Let it be a net and it just kind of goes through like in the water Absolutely. and you hold the wonderful parts of it, of your, of your differences and you, you keep that as part of your superpower. Absolutely. I love that. Alejandra, what would you add to that? I would add one, one skill, one thing that I, has been also difficult to learn and to develop, and, and, and I see it a lot, is to listen. Listen carefully mm -hmm. and listen well. And it's so easy to say to listen better, but it's so hard to do because we are, our mind comes to the rescue <laughs> or something, and it's so hard to really listen and connect. We are so concerned about protecting ourselves, right? And that that experience of listening is an experience of opening, right? And I think it has taken me a long time to to really stop, just stop and listen, listen. And it's, we jump so fast, right? But I think if I had learned to do that, uh, earlier, somebody had even told me that I would be an amazing advice, right? But I, I, I think that would be something that I would tell myself again. Listen, stop, go slowly, slower, and listen, mm -hmm. connect, really connect with people. Well, and that that's the cousin to your impatience. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're well aware. So I love it. Okay, my last question is around the Institute. And, you know, I I don't believe in coincidences. I believe the three of you were meant to come together on, on, on a much deeper, if I can even say visceral level, than your cultural heritage, your yeah. own passionate, intelligent women who've pursued higher education with many barriers along the way. What's the goal of the Institute that's sitting in your heart that you want the world to know? Oh, that's a good one. It's a great, a great question. I, um, I, go Patty, ahead. Yes, our, go ahead. Nah, Dr. Patty. Uh, we are, like I said, we've seen 
it all. We've seen the data that shows that our group, our, our group, our community is at the lowest. It's always the lowest in, in all kinds of things. The lowest in the leadership positions, the lowest in money making, the lowest in that educational work. So we really are, uh, really want to change that. We really want to change that. We are, we always say that we are in the business of making leaders. Latino <laughs> leaders, because we believe that leaders are made, are not born. I I want to say it out loud. I resent that other people my age, when they were younger and they were working in other fields, they were sent to leadership skills training. And mm-hmm. um, I see that like, wow, they get that opportunity. What is that? Right. It was like a, the light mm-hmm. at the end of the tunnel. What is it? And I I believe that we all deserve, especially my community deserves those opportunities, that professional development that can, as you know, coaching can make it or break a career yeah. or that that amazing uh, professional development support that can make them leaders. So for, mm-hmm. for me, yeah, I think for us, and I would like Dr. Patty add, is that goal of changing things and having more of us in those high visibility positions. Absolutely. And and before I, I have Dr. Patty answer, can you share what El Puente means? Good. Yeah. El Puente is the bridge, means the bridge. And uh, El Puente is part of uh, a, a big organization, the Bridge of Fight Group, that is Dr. Patty's uh, first uh, organization as researchers, because that's what we do. Uh, what we do for a while, we like to connect there's a lot of very good knowledge out there in academia. There's mm-hmm. lots of very amazing knowledge. So we want to bring that knowledge and connect it to make the bridge between all that amazing knowledge to practice, right, to reality. So GFI Group is a firm, and I'll let Dr. Patti is a firm, is a research firm. And from us, to El Puente, we're bridging that, the same thing, that, con- that learning, right, we're mm-hmm. bridging the people that need it. Uh, we're bridging our, our, we're making connections, we're bridging power. So that's- uh, Bridging the gap on so many different levels. So I love that. Yes, yeah. Got it. And the Bridge of Fight Group is the research, a national research firm that we are, that's the bigger umbrella of El Puente. El Puente is a division of it because we knew we wanted to get back to the Latino community in a very unique way. The difference between, people always ask us this, what's the difference between your leadership development versus other Latino-focused leadership development programs and groups. And the best part that we can describe how El Puente is different is that we approach leadership development from the cultural values of our people. Mm. So we don't start talking about conflict resolution and, you know, how to do performance management, those very topical leadership competencies that we'll eventually get to. We start with what does it look like to be a Latino or Latina leader in today's world? You start workforce? with the people. What, what a wonderful idea. We start with our values. Family is our biggest value as a Hispanic community. Across the board, despite what uh, country of origin you come from, we've identified six of these, what we call drivers, cultural drivers, that drive our decision-making, our motivation. So we start there. So we don't do service level. We go down deeper and say, this is what it looks like for you. Now, how do you integrate your leadership style and leadership competencies? And now your superpower starts shining through because you have this passion and appreciation for your heritage, for the ancestors that came before us. And then now you're bringing in your own modern day thinking. And it's like magic that when we see it in our in our master classes, in our trainings with our Latino leaders, they're like, wow. 
I have finally have the missing pieces in my in my thinking and awareness that I need to stand strong in front of a boardroom, right? Or in front of a classroom. Well, and being trained and facilitated by someone who's already walked the path, right. knocked the barriers down. And I'm sure if they don't verbalize it, they're learning from their people. Yes. And it's just, and we being part of the community, uh, we bring cultural relevant leadership. Love and so that. we advise all our clients, you know, it's okay that you don't know about us. That's okay. You Let's learn together. And yeah. let us lead that particular, our community, and let us lead you to in understanding our community at a deeper level. Because yeah. I think once we understand each other at a very, like you said, heart-centered level, which are our values and our beliefs, then there's a different connection that happens yeah. and there's a magic. And I think that's a magic that you do. You just made me think of someone else. I just thought of someone else I need to introduce you to. Make oh, a note so I don't forget. <laughs> Let's okay. keep talking and we'll have your whole 200, I, I 200 person list. I love it. I'm just, I love this. Okay, I'm going to switch to my fam four. The, just okay, four okay. rapid questions. Again, just give that an analytical mind. Give okay. it a reprieve. Put it on lunch. I'm going to ask you both to not think and just give me what's sitting there, okay? First question. Give me a word or a phrase that consistently shows up in your leadership language. Awareness. Courage. Awareness and courage. I love that. Okay, second question. Share with me a book that you have read, and this can be at any juncture in your life, that was life-changing. What's the name of the book, and who is the author? <laughs> Mine's so academic. And I, yeah, I forgot the uh, This is an industrial organizational psychology book that I read during, during my doctorate program. I cannot remember the author, but it's industrial organization in the workplace something or other, but it, it, that opened my eyes to how bigger IO, which is what the, the, the uh-huh. our abbreviation IO is and the impact that it has in organizations. Horribly, I don't know the exact That's author. That's okay. You know what? Somebody's going to Google it now. I'm sure. <laughs> I think for me, if I'll do it, if I'll quickly, everybody, I do, uh, and I'll go in the fiction side. I, I, uh, my Latin American literature was fantastic. Pablo Neruda and Gabriel Garcia Marquez was the so that, uh, 100 Years of Solitude were books that, yes, have stayed with me for a long time, definitely. And, and I can see where that cultural love is sitting in your heart for that. It just, you, you just exude that. Okay, third question. I, I got to give you some context around this. I'm granting you both a wish. You get to have dinner with a leader you would love to meet, and this leader may be living or maybe they've passed away. Who are you having dinner with, and what is the dinner conversation? I know. Go ahead. President Obama, I would totally have dinner with him, and I would talk about, I don't know, from very simple things. I think I would love to have a very simple conversation about food and maybe music and He's left-handed. I like left-handed people. And... I'm left-handed. Oh, there you go. I love left-handed people. So, are you left-handed? No, but I'm. All, I count every day how many left-handed people I see. We are 11 percent of the planet. Just in case you, you know. wanted that data, because I know you girls <laughs> love data. Um, he has come up on the show many times, and so has his wife. Oh, oh yeah. Dr. Patty, who who are you having dinner with? So I have two. Uh, Judge Sonia Sotomayor, as well as Dolores Huerta. These are two amazing Latina women, um, both created 
pathways and trailblazers for the Latino community, each in different ways. Dolores Huerta and her marches with the migrant workers back in the day, and then now even the leadership that she does as a speaker. Mm -hmm. um, and Sonia Sotomayor, I mean, just everything that she's doing on the court system. So yeah, those would be amazing women to sit and just have cafecito with. <laughs> well, before I have you, my last uh, question is actually having you finish a sentence. But I want to just say I am I'm over the moon that we've connected. I feel like we have bridged the gap with our El Puente this morning. Yeah. <laughs> and and I look forward to connecting and getting to know you more and, and letting people know that you're out in the world doing this beautiful work. And it's deeper than a PhD for both of you, which is really evident in, in when you speak and, and really showing eloquently from your heart, the passion and, and how important this is. This is your life work and your legacy. And I, I feel that from both of you. So I'm going to let both of you answer this sentence because I think you're both going to have a beautiful answer. So please finish this sentence for me and close out the show. And I'll let you decide who goes first. Heart-centered leadership is? I'll go. Is caring. It's caring about others and about yourself so you can learn. So for me, the word is caring. For me, um, heart-centered leadership is approaching each individual with grace and empathy and also love. Because uh, in the end, we all share the same belonging, the desire to belong, the desire to be seen and to be valued. And so being able to do that on a daily basis with everyone that you meet. To me, that's heart-centered leadership. Thanks so much for joining me today on Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the show today and have learned some new tools for your leadership toolkit from our amazing heart-centered guest. If you like the show, feel free to give us a rating and a review, and we always welcome your feedback anytime. Looking to master the art of heart? Head over to our website at debcrow.com and watch out for Deb's new book, The Heart-Centered Leadership Playbook, coming in September. 